If the American Fire Service thinks transitional attack has value, let's put some teeth behind it. If you're going to go to the trouble, make it count. And this is especially important for departments that don't have staffing currently that enables them to get inside. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. From the Federal Resources Studio, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. This is the show for and about firefighters. We're informing and entertaining members of the fire service, just like you, from coast to coast. Today we're going to talk about the transitional attack. Some firefighters swear by it, some swear at it. The NFPA says it's a way to soften the target. But does it help or does it have the potential to prolong the firefight? My guest today says a transitional attack is like a bunt in a baseball game. Ray McCormack is a 30-year veteran and a lieutenant with FDNY. He publishes Urban Firefighter magazine. He delivered the keynote address at FDIC in 2009. And Ray McCormack joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me on. All right. So how is it like a bunt? I've got to know. <laughs> well, that, that description is some uh, recent piece I published. And that analogy, some may argue, is not exactly correct. But I'm not the best at baseball. But uh, <laughs> I thought it was fairly close. As we all know, a, a bunt is a hit. Uh, of course, it's not a powerful hit necessarily. It's just an avenue to hopefully get on base. And the point I was trying to make was that transitional fire attack, the way it's currently set up, typically is is done, obviously, on the exterior of the building. It's done. The water is put into a window, typically. And once a change in conditions is noted, the exterior attack stops. So UL Underwriters Laboratories, who has looked at this extensively, has basically talked about this, keep it going till you see a change in conditions. And typically the change in conditions amounts to you had fire maybe coming out that window, you put the stream up at the ceiling at a high angle, ideally, keep it stationary, ideally, and you will see a change in conditions. You'll you'll stop seeing that fire come out of the uh, window, and then you would shut down the line and then proceed to the interior because transitional fire attack is two pieces. There's an exterior piece, and then there's the interior piece. The change in conditions only lasts so long. You will have fire regrowth in a certain amount of time. Sometimes you see it rapidly occurring once the line leaves that window and heads towards the entrance of the building. And what we have then is fire regrowth within the room. So from a practical 
application, we are basically wounding this fire. We are not killing it from the outside. We're wounding it, and then we're going inside to finish it off. After we see a change in conditions, we can also add water off the lentil, hitting it off the top of the windowsill edge. And that, what that does, it disperses the stream a little differently than the very vertical stream entry from the original hit. So what happens, part of the study also looked at water mapping, and the water mapping shows that when the stream hits the ceiling, most of it, not all of it, but a lot of it, the majority of it, travels the ceiling because it's coming out so fast that it rides the ceiling and goes to the next horizontal surface, the next wall, the wall opposite it, and most of it drops down there. You're going to go to the trouble of, of doing a transitional attack, spend a few more seconds out there, not a long time, spend a little bit more time out there, and, and make it look like it was worth the effort. But departments that have minimal staffing arriving first at a fire with two or three firefighters, basically transitional attack is their only tactic. How does all this work with the first new engine that has just three firefighters on board when it arrives? So we need someone on the pump panel, and we need we need two firefighters inside, but we don't have that safety team. We don't have enough people for that safety team. So they are relegated to being outside until additional help arrives. So that's been going on forever. And the the point is with that is science hasn't done anything to assist them. So if the science says, you know, we, we have this fire in a knockback state and we can give some teeth to two in, two out and make this a variation based on the effect of transitional fire attack, which I would say with, with uh, not just a change in conditions, I would go for trying to get a little bit more than just a simple change in conditions, then I think we can empower smaller and understaffed fire units to actually going interior and and extinguishing the fire and also doing that search and looking for the people. If the American Fire Service thinks transitional attack has value, let's put some teeth behind it. You know, if you do a secondary stage hit, whether you bring the nozzle past the window and try and wet the room or you use a banking shot off the top of the windowsill, you know what? You're doing something more than a simple change in conditions. If you're going to go to the trouble, make it count. And uh, this is especially important for departments that don't have staffing currently that enables them to get inside. Last I heard, John Salka, who's also at FDNY, is a vocal opponent of the transitional attack. Is that a common viewpoint? He, he's uh, He's entitled to his opinion. I would say that a lot of it is dependent on seeing what you want to do. One size does not fit all. No, no, one size doesn't fit all any time in, in the fire world, that's for sure. So one of the things we have to be careful about is, you know, we want firefighters to be able to decide on what the best approach is. This approach that you, you know, we, we all want the fire extinguished, but we also have to I think it's important that we open the door, especially if it's in the front there, and see if it's a separate room versus an open room concept. Because one of the things that can happen is you could have a fire travel down a hallway and exit a window. Let's say the window's open. 
it exits out the window because that's a low pressure area it's looking for. You shoot your line straight in that window. The fire is down to the left. It's not straight ahead. But if you had opened the door, you would have created another low pressure area and that fire would have moved towards the doorway. You would have crawled in by the doorway, opened the door a little bit. You would have seen it was down to the left and you would have put your stream in the correct place. So, you know, there's something to be said for a little poise and waiting to see what is actually going on. I'll be back with more right after this. When that call comes in and you rush to head out, the last thing you're thinking about is your safety. But your safety is all Federal Resources thinks about. At Federal Resources, we work to make sure that every responder is equipped, trained, and ready to come home safely. You look out for everyone else. Let us look out for you. Learn more at federalresources.com. When did the term transitional attack come about? Were they doing it before the term? Now, transitional attack has taken on, you know, a whole new meaning or a whole new definition, let's say, because there was always exterior fire attack. And basically, it was used for several different reasons, several common reasons, which were maybe an advanced fire on arrival. So you had a lot of fire showing. Uh, maybe the fire was extending up the face of a building with combustible siding. So that would be that would be taken care of. That would be hit. Uh, you might have had a wind-driven fire where the fire, the wind is coming in the back of this house and it's driving the fire out towards you. So you're gonna you're gonna hit that fire from the outside. Delays in entry. Maybe the front door is has a metal metal guardrail in front of it, and the forceful entry is going to be difficult. Maybe you need a saw. In some parts of the country, people are basically barricading themselves in. That they might give a hit to that window where the bedroom is, or somebody's known to be trapped in an adjoining space, and you have to put water on the fire to to darken it down. So these were all things we always did in the fire service. This is nothing new. Was there a name for it at that point, or was it just part of the attack? Yeah, no, it was just part of the attack, I think. No, I don't think It was just something that you did. Yeah, you just took care of it, and, you know, it was exterior fire attack, but, you know, more than likely uh, that wasn't your primary goal. You wanted to be doing interior attack, but you had this because conditions forced you to wait to do the interior attack. Now, transitional attack doesn't really have what we're discussing today, doesn't really have those uh, parameters associated with it. It's more, as some people say, it's an opportunity. And it wasn't never considered an opportunity, so to speak. It was more of a limiter. In other words, I'm limited. I don't have enough staffing to go inside. The conditions are such that I I can't get inside currently, those types of things. So there's different variations on all of these things, and it is always up to the company officer and what what challenges they're going to uh, reach on making a decision to hit it from outside or hit it from inside. Understanding that every fire is different, 
Do you have a set of guidelines of when you would start with the transitional attack? Well, one of the one of the big limiters of it is that it's predominantly it has some effect on upper levels, but one of the things is if you if you're the first line going to a fire and you have let's say a fire on the third floor and you attempt to hit that third floor from the exterior more than likely now that hose line will not be able to be brought upstairs because it's weighted with water it's going to be a lot more difficult to move it's going to be a little bit more difficult to bring it up to the third floor to do an interior attack so on something that's off plane if you will it's not on the first floor and you are going to wet your hose line outside and bring it up multiple flights of stairs wet that's not going to work so that first line maybe it would go interior and maybe the second line would be outside just in case you know maybe uh the extension of the fire is getting into the attic space or the roof space it's, it's extending that way so then that would be an exterior hit. But transitional fire attack appears to be, currently appears to be, at its most efficient when it's on the same level. And the window spacing gives firefighters the ability to get water in a large window and also allows firefighters to get close to the window. Because when the stream is used from a distance, there's a lot more air entrained in the stream and this can bring about other issues. And if the firefighters occlude the space, in other words, if the stream takes up the majority of that window space, whether they created a fog stream or they're just moving it around a lot and it, and it stops that exterior flow of heat and gases, well, those gases have to go somewhere and they're going to go back into the interior. And NIST actually did a, a film of such a thing it's called the stream comparison video and it's on youtube where the fog stream is shot into this window and the gases these superheated gases go down the stairs and light off they actually go down the stairs in the house it's pretty amazing wow so do you think that maybe the misuse of this attack is what's caused some people to say that it's a bad idea overall well, I don't know if misuse of the attack has caused people to uh, not be in favor of it, but what I would say is I think people maybe rebuff the idea because it seems to be that some look at it as this really should be your first thing you do. And like I said, it doesn't have to be the first thing you do. The one One of the great things about the past UL study was that they looked at interior firefighting and, you know, we were doing testing in a set up environment, but the furniture was modern furniture and everything. And going down the hallway with the stream open, whether you started at the very top of the hallway or you started mid hallway, you were getting what they call massive surface cooling. And what that did was it allowed you to continue down the hallway towards the fire room and put out the fire very quickly. So one of the things that was great about that was that you could go directly to that hallway and save a little time versus transitional attack and get down to the fire room. In other words, 
that water is going to work for you. If you open that nozzle and you cool that space that's ahead of you, you're going to push the products of combustion away from you and ahead of you. And when there's a vent in that room, it's going to push all that stuff out that way. It's going to find that low pressure and push it out. And the interior fire attack was very successful. So we want people to know about both techniques. And, you know, because of our SCBA and our, our, our bunker gear, we can, we can occupy these spaces with the 150 gallons a minute plus. We can not only occupy it, we can control it for the most part. So what we want is we want to be able to tell people you have these choices and, you know, make the best choice based on the conditions present and what your capabilities are. But that, that inside handline nozzle, UL did a great service because now there's science for the firefighter who goes inside. There was some science. There was plenty of science for the firefighter outside doing transitional attack. And now we have some science for the firefighters inside. In your experience, how is the training on this technique? Are people learning to do it properly as far as you've seen? Well, they probably have been shown the correct way to do it. The problem with it is that doing it at a fire academy and doing it on the street are two different things. Because I'll just give you, uh, in the current UL study, which is the coordinated fire attack study, we were on scene in. Ohio doing some structural burns for the for the tests for the study and the topography of the land around this two-story house this was a typical two and a half story house wood house old probably 80 years old uh, classic American home well the property fell off as it went to the rear and they were hitting the B side of this house with a transitional attack on the second floor. Well, the line, the hose line, literally had to go close to the neighbor's house and be brought down, brought down this little incline. It had to stay away from the house and then move in because right adjacent to the house, you couldn't get there. You had to go towards the neighbor's house to go towards the back. That's how bad the, the land fell off. So Getting that ideal training academy transitional attack hit is going to be very difficult in the field. And while, you know, you can't always get those perfect conditions, this is another reason why I think it's important that once you get that change in conditions, we have some ideas on how to do a secondary hit. One is to, if you're using a smoothbore, to go down to basically a half bail technique and see if that gets in the room more in like an arced. In other words, like almost like a water fountain spray. Right. It'll be up there, but it'll be dropping in as, as opposed to a very forceful stream. And we also have the ability to hit off the top of the windowsill. So we have those things for when something is less than ideal. And I'm hoping that people think about, you know, including that into their exterior portion of their transitional attack. Because I think the there is some negative potential negative consequences of rushing through any door to fix the regrowth and miss 
the opportunity to have the line come in the main entrance of the home, which which has tremendous value. The line coming in the main entrance of most homes is what you want 90 90 something percent of the time that's the entrance you want to come in there could be some oddballs of course but that's still a good way to do things all right ray mccormick thanks for talking with us today oh you're welcome it's been my pleasure and we've put some more information about transitional attacks pro and con and ray's magazine on our website at code3podcast.com slash transitional. Check it out. Now, here comes your trivia question. How long is a 24-foot extension ladder when it's retracted and loaded on the truck? I'll have the answer right after this. Ever notice that Scott always tells you that you can get a guest's book at our website, code3podcast.com? That's because we have links to order their books from Amazon on the episode's show notes pages. It makes it easy for you to get the books, and it helps support Code 3. When you buy Amazon through our website, we get a small cut too, and it doesn't cost you any more to order through us. Plus, there are other firefighter-related products there too. Take a look at code3podcast.com. Here's the trivia answer. If you use logic and you said a 24-foot extension ladder is 12 feet long when it's retracted and on the truck, (coughs) nope, it's 14 feet. That's the same length as a standard roof ladder. Firefighter math, go figure. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more. I sure hope you'll join me then. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, I'll see you later. Code 3 is made possible through the generous support of Federal Resources. Visit them at federalresources.com. This show is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to code3podcast.com.